Welcome to Lost in the Movies. This episode will cover the film The Lobster by Yorgos Lanthimos from a, several years ago, starring Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz. And uh, before we jump right into the film, I just wanted to note why I'm releasing this episode a little earlier than usual. It's usually every two weeks, uh, at least through the first, you know, two-thirds of 2021. But I uh, wanted to focus just sort of unbroken on some of my patron work that fell I fell a little bit behind on. So I just figured get this one up and uh, running, and then it'll actually be three weeks before the next one, so that'll catch up to the regular schedule again. But this one's coming out a week after uh, the previous episode. And I also want to point listeners toward that if you missed it. It's a sampler of my Lost in Twin Peaks patron podcast, where I'm playing clips from all of these, uh, all this coverage that I did of Twin Peaks episodes, super in-depth on uh, my Patreon. So check that out if you want to get a little taste of what I'm up to there. Uh, also, during this time on uh, on Patreon, I posted my Lost in Twin Peaks uh, podcast episode covering episode 18, one of the early episodes of the Twin Peaks mid-season two, and I opened that up to $1 a month patrons that had been released for the top tier patrons earlier, and that's what's up right now on the site. Other than that, I haven't been doing uh, too much else. This one is being recorded uh, pretty, this intro is being recorded, I guess, pretty quick on the heels of uh, the previous episode. So there's that. I also have a status update on the Patreon as to, you know, for, for patrons to understand kind of what I'm, what I'm working on, why it was taking a little longer and uh, hopefully be getting to that soon. So anyways, on to the lobster. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Have you ever danced with anybody? Yes. As an animal, you'll have a second chance to find a companion. What sort of dancing did you do? Just depends on the music. Mind if I join you? It's no coincidence that the targets are shaped like single people and not couples. Did you catch rabbits? Catching a rabbit is difficult. Thank you very much. If you need more rabbits, I'll bring you more. You promise? You can be alone as long as you like. There is no time limit. Any romantic or sexual relations are punished. The Lobster is a film by Yorgos Lanthimos, and it's the first film by him that I've seen. It's clear right away that this is a very distinct director with his own voice and flavor to his films, um, as always with these things, both in terms of the content he prefers and his approach to that, and also his visual, audio-visual style and the way that that plays out. I guess you could fall call the film postmodern, that's always sort of a tricky term to use, but in the sense that he is creating this strange world with these strange rules, in a sense almost because he can, because there's an entertaining sort of um, imaginativeness to it. It's not because... I don't, I, I don't think it's like he has a theme or an experience and the world sort of builds itself from that. It feels more like he's starting from the outside to an extent where he's got this society in mind and these strange quirks and he kind of follows through that. And this sort of thing is tricky. You know, there's a lot of quote unquote indie films and very few of them go this far with it, but they all have this 
sense of eccentric behavior and being amused by it for its own sake. And sometimes it feels sort of arbitrary and forced. And I think there were parts of the film where it tiptoed along that, but there's enough of a whimsical, there's enough whimsy, but there's also enough um, sincerity that it works. Like he takes this world on its own terms and he inserts you into it. So without further delaying, let me just explain what this world is. Colin Farrell is playing a character whose wife leaves him and therefore he has to go to this great hotel. And in this hotel, there are about, I think, 40 or 50 other people who are in the same situation he's in, which is that they've lost a mate either from, um, you know, divorce or I don't know if they can divorce in this society, but uh, either okay, either from their their spouse leaving them or perhaps they died, even if, you know, these people are widowed. Now they're sort of culpable for failing in a relationship or not having a relationship, I guess you could say. And in this hotel, they torment them. They do, the maids will rub themselves on them and they'll handcuff their hand to their belt and they will put on all these skits and give these lectures about why it's so important to have a mate as if they don't really understand this. There's a, there's a lot of pointing the finger like if you're not in a relationship, something must be wrong with you. But they don't even say that. It's just sort of implicit in the way they act about it. And in a way, it might be wrong to read too much of a moral framework into this because it almost seems like, no, no, this is just the way things are. It's not this way for a certain reason. You know, they don't try to explain, well, the earth has become depopulated and everybody needs to be reproducing. In fact, there really aren't many children in the film at all. Uh, the relationship thing doesn't seem to be about procreation. So Colin Farrell wants to get the hell out of this hotel and the reason is after 40 days, if you have not found a mate, they will turn you into an animal. And the reason the film is called The Lobster is because Colin Farrell's character wants to become a lobster, which, of course, people make fun of him for. Um, and there's some disconcerting aspects to this. It's like if they're turning people into animals and they're still eating animals, are they like eating other people that are now animals? You know, this, they don't explore that too much, but they imply it. And the only way to extend their stay in the hotel before finding a mate is they go out into the woods and they go hunting for loners. Loners are the people who have escaped the society and now they live out in the woods. And as we learn later in the film, they're under an opposite command. They can't mate with anyone else. It's absolutely forbidden to have a romance or a sexual relationship. And if they find out that you've been doing that, they'll sometimes cut you, they'll punish you in various ways. One of the characters is blinded eventually. There's this taboo on having a mate just as much as there's a taboo on not having a mate in the other half, in the above ground half of society. We find out more about this side of society eventually because Colin Farrell's character escapes the hotel and he flees into the woods and he joins this band. And then, of course, after spending half the film um, panicked because he can't find a mate, not really wanting to, but feeling forced and associating with this just wretched, horrible woman who kills his brother, who uh, has been turned into a dog, kills him just to find out if Colin Farrell's really as much of a sadist as she is, because otherwise they shouldn't be together. There's this notion throughout the film that somebody has to have a certain specific trait in common with you for you to get together. If one character gets together with the other woman because she has a nosebleed and he pretends to. So Colin Farrell turns this woman into an animal and he flees into the woods and then while he's out there with this merry, not-so-merry band, 
he meets Rachel Weiss. She doesn't come in until halfway through the film. And these characters, they go, they take excursions into the city and they pretend to be couples and it's very artificial and stilted. And that's kind of true of so much in this film, so much of the acting style. Colin Farrell is uh, kind of hilarious just the way he performs this. He's required to be a very socially awkward, stilted person and his way of doing this is to rush through the lines the way he delivers them as if he, he's got to get to the other end of this dialogue and he, he can't he, he can't just say it in a normal way and uh, you know he has to finish it like that so he, he kind of does that throughout and it's it's really funny and engaging and you know you somewhat endearing as well so in the second half of this film now he's got this romance with Rachel Weiss he's absolutely in love with her and they come up with these codes of gestures where they share their their feelings for one another but uh they can't you know, they can't express it uh, openly and they have to hide it. And then eventually they have to escape the society together. And he's got a decision to make if he wants to be with her. A while back on this podcast and uh, relatively recently in terms of when I'm actually recording it, I watched Spirited Away. And that also has a world where the creator is making these arbitrary, almost childlike rules. Well, now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. And you have to follow the rule and figure out how to do it. And I think there's a whole interesting question of why children come up with this in the first place. I was kind of thinking about this. It's like, it's almost like they see that the adult world has tons of rules and they don't understand why these rules exist, but they understand that there's rules and a need for it. So they come up with these games where it's like, well, now you have to do this, these sort of arbitrary impositions. And now you have to do that. And these films kind of retain that spirit. So the lobster, nobody questions like, well, why should we have to do things this way? They understand that's just how it is. And if they want to violate it, they will, but they're not going to try to change other people's minds. They're just going to try to get away with it themselves. There's one scene where the loners storm the hotel and they're forcing the couples to see through one another. Like Colin Farrell finds the guy who told his wife that he's a nosebleeder and exposes his secret. There's a hotel room where they go in and they tell the husband to shoot the wife or she's got to shoot him. Which one of you can survive on your own? He goes, oh, I think I can. I can. Totally throws the wife under the bus. And then, of course, they give him the gun to fire and surprise, it has no bullets. So they've just ruined their relationship. And uh, uh, Leah Sadu, who's wonderful, it plays one of the loners and she just has this diabolical grin when that happens, which is really funny. The film has a fascinating look it's very limpid, sharp at the same time. The colors are all desaturated, and yet there's a, a definite texture to them, both in the hotel, this kind of muted pinkish palette, and then in the woods where you have this green and this brown, these very earthy colors. At times, the situations are very quirky and eccentric, and this is important too. The demeanor is very aloof and offbeat, and at times, weirdly passive-aggressive, where people are very mild, and then they'll do these very violent things to each other, which feels very Wes Anderson. Uh, John C. Riley has this down pat in the film and is perfectly cast in this in this smaller role. Uh, at one point, he masturbates in the hotel, so to punish him, they stick his hand in a toaster and turn it on, and they're just all standing there calmly. And he's, you know, it's horrible, but they deliver it in this totally deadpan way. So what's interesting is the film has that 21st century quirky deadpan delivery down pat, that Jason Schwartzman, Luke Wilson thing that you'll see in a Wes Anderson movie, but totally devoid of the candy colored palette that like an Anderson film will use. It's funny because it's drab, but it's not plain, if that makes sense. Like there's a richness to the drabness, which I really appreciated. It does seem at times like this film could go way over into just being coy and whimsical for its own sake and in a self-indulgent way where 
the director is like, well, now I have to do this thing because that's my brand. You know, I, I'm the one who does these, these things. This film is sort of a comedy. About the most out there spin you could put on a genre of romantic comedy, I suppose. Although you do feel invested in these characters and their romance. And there is a, a real chemistry there in, in beneath the awkwardness, which is fun. Uh, there's a great scene where Colin Farrell sees somebody else bring rabbits to racial vice. That's, that's what she likes you know she likes her men to get her rabbits and he sees this and he's so jealous he goes up and he's saying to her you know did he did he bring her rabbits he, do, he doesn't have to bring you rabbits I, I i can bring you rabbits and she's just got this great reaction and it's a it's a sincerely romantic moment the way she smiles and nods and you know it's raining and they're all wet every romantic scene ever is set in the rain like breakfast at tiffany's and all that and it, it really kind of works on its own terms it's it's pretty amusing the follow-up film with with colin farrell apparently one of the reviews I kind of peeked at, I didn't want to know too much about it. The reviewer was a little worried. They loved The Lobster. They loved his other films, which include Dog Tooth. I think that was his debut. This was his first English language film, I believe, shot in Ireland. So they, they were a little worried that now he was getting into this zone where he does things, sort of the Tarantino thing or the Anderson thing, where it's like, well, I guess I have to make a film this way. And they were wondering if he could make a film without those sort of impositions. But it would be interesting to see this director make a film that is more conventional and how he deals with that because it feels like this way of seeing the world is so ingrained in his personality that maybe he couldn't maybe it's like you know Fellini or somebody like that where every film they make is going to be suffused with that that strangeness because that's just who they are this film also does something I like with dystopian narratives in general where it doesn't locate it in a concrete time and place in relation to the present it's almost like a parallel version of the present you know i don't think there was a ton of like advanced technology in this film it seemed to very much exist within our world but at the same time there's obviously all this stuff going on which has nothing to do with our world it's like how did we get to this point did we get to this point or is this another dream reality where does this exist in relation to us and i like that not knowing and i kind of wish more films did that in a way where you almost have this twilight zone thing where it's not so much that you're in another world as our world is skewed slightly out of uh, proportion. Like there's just something off about it. And that idea, and that's certainly a lynchism thing, you know, this idea of, no, no, you're not in this other fantasy reality. You are in our reality. And yet all these strange things can happen to you. And what's different with this film with some of those other films is this one has such a clear set of rules, even though they feel so arbitrary and we don't know how anybody got to that point. You know, it just, it has that order to it. And yet it's so off kilter. And I think that's an interesting combination to have. And I think the film situation is applicable outside of romance and relationships as well. I know certainly for me watching it, there was this sense of um, the idea of like having a job and like now you have to do this thing and you know you have to do this thing. If you don't do this thing, you're not going to have the job, you're not going to have the living. But And then you know perhaps you change jobs and now there's this whole other set of expectations you have to follow and it's a little disorienting in a way. And there's a perverseness to it where it's like when he's in the place where he needs a relationship, he can't get one. And when he's in a place where he can't have the relationship, he, he does end up having one. So there's this, this sense of society just not aligning or responding to people's needs and sort of artificially trying to impose the solution upon them, even if it no longer fits the need. 
So that was a fascinating dynamic. And I love the fact that the film is divided in half. I remember a while back, I was sort of tinkering with this script, which was always really half-baked and it never came about. But it was this idea of the first part, there was a character who was stuck in their house and they followed a very specific set routine. And then at one point they escaped that and the film became a free-floating thing, but then there were traps within that as well. It was a pretty vaguely developed project, as I recall. But I think this film does that in a very effective, easy to easy to explain, somewhat easy to explain manner. And if you enjoy what you heard, if you've enjoyed other things you've heard on here, definitely subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is where this could use the most promotion, gets sort of the most eyes or ears, I suppose, on there. And uh, if you really enjoy the work, consider becoming a patron on patreon.com slash movies. All my work can be found on lostinthemovies.com. That includes hours and hours of those Patreon podcasts, uh, hundreds of hours, I should say, in addition to what I'm releasing publicly here. My next episode is going to be another glimpse at my Left of the Movies podcast, which I've released a couple episodes of so far. Late this year, it'll become more of a regular monthly thing. This episode will be on the film. Well, I'll play the clip first from the uh, trailer, and I look forward to sharing that one. I reviewed it right when it came out. Cash the screen here. Sorry to bust. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away.